0: Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. Today is
1: Thursday, the 16th of March, 2023. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody, or Eve of St. Patrick's Day, or Cruz Patrick's Eve, however it's known locally. I'm Mike A. Race. Thank you for joining us once again. In the studio today, the all-star lineup is intact. No one is on international duty today. So uh, we have Bailey Johnson with us, our fine crew beat writer, and Kyle Robertson, the striker and the shooter. And we mean photography. Yeah. One of the best there is. Of course, speaking of the best there is, we have to settle for Patrick the Podfather, Flaherty at the controls. We love you, Patrick. Keep trying hard. Let's get right into it first with the the last game, Bailey. A really good point on the road at Toronto.
2: A really good point on the road. for A, ga- a game that for a long stretch of it looked like they were going to be lucky to get out of there with a point at all. The way they played in the last 20 minutes, you almost felt like they should have come out of there with three. Yeah,
1: And we're talking about That's the Columbus crew here That's now. It. I don't know if, if you're lost. We're talking about the Columbus crew on this We podcast. are
2: talking about the Columbus crew. I should They, went, that, they yeah. went up to play at the Toronto FC, very cold night at BMO Field Stadium. There's too many BMO things. They just renamed one of them. I don't know. Anyway, in Toronto, go down one nothing in the first half. Tough,
0: great goal. Great goal.
2: Great there. goal for Toronto. Really tough goal for the crew. One
0: touch cut back and then left.
2: Right? Meg Milos at the top yeah. of the box. Beat all the way to the near post. They both want that one back. They kind of pulled apart the midfield. Bernadeski sucked Aiden Morris into his orbit and dragged him way out. Yaw Which is his only
0: mistake, really. Nowhere. Aiden had a yeah, phenomenal yeah. game. We can talk
2: about that. Yaw nowhere back. to be found as normal. Um that was a little harsh.
1: <laughs> we don't need <laughs> to get into that. Daganek got magged on that goal. Dagonick no.
2: got magged on that goal. He was. Upset about it, and in his sort of typical yeah. fashion, tweeted about how he, you know, shouldn't have given that one up. Should have scored himself. I had to watch the game again to find the moment where he thought he should have scored. It was a um, set piece in the late in the second half. It yeah. was Is that not the one a, where
0: Aiden kind of almost got it. To, yeah, I he think, think it, was the, it he was the same one. I think it was the
2: same one. There were a couple of those yeah. that were like somebody should have gotten on. Um, yeah, strong road point. They come in the second half, start to handle Toronto's pressure better. Um, they bring in Jimmy Madranda about the seventy-third. Was
0: he offside? Whoa. He was not I offside. Know. That was that, was, that uh, angle was, wasn't
1: very overturned good. Overturned on VAR. It was yeah.
2: overturned on VAR. Which
1: su- was sort of surprised me because, you know, the conclusive proof measure. Yeah. of uh, Yeah.
2: They've had some interesting VAR decisions, not just the crew, but across the league so far the first few weeks of the season. I thought that one they got right when you watch it again. You look at like the lines on the field yeah. and you can see that he's where he should be.
1: A lot of good runs on that play. Yeah, I mean, and and Madranda, a great run, obviously. And, and, uh, Started with the eight and, and tackle, and, a, yeah, and it he got back t-
2: into, Aiden into Aiden it. Tackle and 11, and no sweat over. finish,
1: too. Yeah. I mean, there was no, his underwear was clean. He just, boop. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's what uh, Wilfried said after the game. That's Jimmy. That's what he does. He's really strong technically like that. The reason he was not on the bench the first two games and only played 20 ish minutes of that is he's still not fit after being hurt a couple of times in preseason. Wilfried said, Jim even struggled to get through the minutes that he did get towards the end of that on Saturday. So unsure sort of how long it's going to take him to get where they want him to be.
1: Well, his goals per minute average is pretty good. Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know?
0: Through the roof.
2: Yeah.
1: So a very good point. Um, Oh, well, no. And they should have had more, right? Right off the yeah,
2: bat, yeah. They, they should
0: have the first oh, minute. Yeah, my gosh, yeah, the second, the yeah. second
2: minute, Alex yeah. Maton makes a run into the box and sends it yeah. across the front of goal looking for, I think it was Lucas on the back yep. post. Lucas skies it. Yeah. It was one of their moments... Not make fun of me.
1: I, I just, I just like how
2: I, I talk with my hands. No,
1: you're so yeah. into it. I'm, I'm yeah. Italian. I get that. You're so into it. She, she just hit her microphone. I did hit my microphone, pen. but
2: I don't think it made a noise. Unlike the time fine, that you right? hit your microphone She's last passionate. week.
1: She's She's a passionate people. Did it writer.
2: make a noise, Podfather? Can you confirm? I don't think it did. I think it
1: did. All right, let's move on.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, early on they have a good look. They had a couple other looks in the first few minutes, and then Toronto started to figure right. out, figure them out, which has happened to them a couple times so far already. Um, It's kind of a tension between Wilfried really wanting his team to be patient with the ball and wanting them to stay composed and other teams figuring out how to press them and get them out of that. And as they are still figuring out what they're doing and trying to get more comfortable in the system, that's going to be a little bit in conflict through, I think, these first several weeks of the season. Eventually, the theory is that when they do get fully comfortable with what what he wants them to do, that won't bother them. They'll welcome that pressure because then they can play around it and behind it. But right now it unsettles them because they're still figuring out how to stay that composed with the ball and how to be that patient mm-hmm. when everything they've been taught is to be quick with the ball and when someone's pressing, you get rid of it. So right now it's really unbalancing them. I think eventually they'll get to a point where it doesn't, but that was something Toronto took advantage of, especially in the first half.
1: Right now the crew with a Caleb Porter-like record of 1-1-1, one, one, and one, um, four goals, four or five against, minus one. should be noted that uh, – the four of those goals against, of the five came in game one, right. Against mighty Philadelphia. So, um, the program's moving along. What's the latest you have at dispatch.com, Bailey Johnson?
2: Program's moving along. Latest I have, um, wrote about Steven Marrera that published this morning, Thursday, um, and his adjustment to playing center back. He had kind of hinted at this with me before, but is, he's an interesting interview because he doesn't really want to dive into anything that might be controversial, which is not uncommon, but he gets like, he doesn't cover it very well. He has no poker face about it. He'll start laughing when you ask him something that he might not want to answer. So I asked him again yesterday, Wednesday, about his adjustment to playing center back, which is something that I knew he wasn't totally thrilled with when Wilfried presented it to him in the preseason, coming over from playing fullback to be playing center back.
1: I don't know how many fans are thrilled with it either. I a mean. lot
2: of people were unhappy, which is understandable. I, after watching More Montreal, developed a theory that they wanted him to do a little bit of the Alistair Johnston thing where he was playing... As a pretty advanced on the right side of the back three and could play full back or on the right wing back could play further up. Um, And that is, it turns out what they want from Steven Marrera. We talked to Wilfried yesterday about Steven's adjustment and he said, I want him getting forward more than he is right now. He started to do it in the Toronto game. You saw him make a couple runs, especially in the second half that were pretty threatening. He had one shot that he sent over the bar and then he had another good look where he intercepted the ball on the, his right Toronto's left and like dribbled to the edge of the box and Johnson had to make a save. And Wilfried wants more of that. He wants him involved. He wants him stepping up. He really wants all the center backs to do that. Um, But especially with the back three, they're currently playing of Phil Quinton, Milos Jaganek, Steven Marrera. Steven is the one who should be the most comfortable doing that. Um, So he kind of said yesterday, you know, he wasn't that thrilled about it at first because he didn't want to take away the attacking side of his game. He likes to get forward. He likes to be in the attack, but now as he settled into this, and Wilfried has made it very clear that the attacking side of his game is very much still prevalent, he's feeling better about it, and you can see him settling in every game.
0: Kyle, oh, you're glad everyone's happy. Well, yeah, it's about time.
1: <laughs> That's true. It's been, it's, been, it's been a while, maybe two years or so. Um, Bailey, take us through uh, what the lineup looks like right now and, and, and the injury report, just so we have a kind of a verbal. Yeah, so line.
2: lineup in Toronto was the same as it was yep. for D.C., Two weeks before, so same back three they've been playing, Aloy Room in goal. Um, they had Yao and Mo Farsi as the wingbacks, Darlington and Aiden in the middle, as I will say, ad nauseum this season, and then Lucas El-Rayon, Alex Maton, and Kucho as the front three. Um, injury report right now, Will Sands, Chris Ramirez, and Josh Williams were all out for um, the Toronto game, heading into Red Bulls this Saturday. Nancy is hopeful that Will Sands will be available, unsure, How much he'll be able to play. He picked up back spasms, I think, in the first half of Philadelphia. It's still not quite been fully explained to me how that happened, but I think that was why he came out at half in Philadelphia. Missed the last two games, has been working his way back. Wilfried's hopeful he'll be available. Um, Christian Ramirez joined the team for full training Monday for the first time since his injury at the end of January to the bottom of his foot. So he's progressing, but now it's just a fitness question as he's missed several weeks. Um, and Josh Williams has an ankle injury that there is no update on. He's out sort of indefinitely right now.
1: Those things linger on the older guys, Kyle. Well, yeah, he should be.
0: He's young. Well, I mean, if he took a shot, he's young compared to. Yeah, you know, I, think, yeah. I
2: think he's talking about the ankle injury, not the?
0: Oh, I thought back he was talking the back. Um, Kyle, <laughs> you've had a look at this
1: three-four-two-one as we yeah. all have. We're, what are your thoughts on it to this I, point, and what do you see uh, developing in, in, in this I near still future?
0: think the the number one thing is you got to get Kucho going. I, I think he's he still kind of look looks to me like he's lost, like he can't quite figure out when he's making those runs in. Um,
2: no, keep talking, Kyle. No. I just have something oh, that I want to no, add. In. No, no, Sorry, just, I wasn't trying to cut you no, off. I just wanted to no, say if I had something after I you. Mean,
0: I mean, I see.
1: Did you hit what, her pen on the microphone? She,
2: I so, did not. So kucho
0: yeah, Cucho, Cucho. I mean, he's your he's your big guy. He's your big money guy. He's your golden boot. You know, he wants to win the golden boot. But the problem is, is you know, Lucas has looked good. Matan has looked phenomenal. Looked really good. So you know, is it going to be just two of the three are going to look good? I mean, you know, that's that's where I kind of you know he just. I don't know. He's got to get him the ball in the yeah. box. No, I think he's getting pulled too wide too much, which is creating the space for the other two. Right. Yeah. You know,
2: oh, he is getting pulled too, too wide too much. He likes to play a little bit right. more of that false nine role where he drops deeper or pulls out wide. But I talked to Wilfred about this yesterday, because this is one of mm. my biggest questions about this team through the first three mm. games is Kucho's involvement. Um, and he said, you know, they're progressing in his under in understanding the offense. And now what they need to do better is, occupying the box more and making those runs into the box, which is kind of directly saying, Kucho, we need you to do that. Because that, I would say, is something he has not been doing as well. There have been several occasions where a guy like Matan has a trying to make a, a pass in the box, and there's no one there to get on it. And that's kind of the run you need Kucha to make. But Wilfried also said, which I think is really interesting, he doesn't believe in having a go-to goal scorer. It's not a concern for him how many goals Kucha right. scores. He knows Kucha is going to score goals. He doesn't really care who scores the goals. He expects it to be a balanced effort on this team and have a variety of guys contributing. And he actually dislikes it when it's just his striker doing all the work. So obviously there is a lot to come for Kucho and I don't think anyone thinks he's never going to score a goal again. And getting him more involved is something they need to do. And I think they know that. But it's also not... I don't think he's going to be as much of a focal point as he was last year, which could no, be good but or if you're, be bad.
0: but if you're paying him the DP money, he needs more shots on goal. He needs more attempts. He's, yeah, and he's he's he, he's, the, he's,
2: he is generating right. a lot of shots, but they're rarely on target, which is unlike him. Right. Last year, basically everything he took, he right. thought it was probably going to go in, and this year has not, has not been the case. And it's also only the third game right. of the year at this point. On the new system. New system, and the offense, it's cold, in my okay. mind, takes longer to come together. So... But it is, that's, I would say, my biggest, you know, they've scored four goals through three games, but it almost doesn't really feel no. like they have. No. Um, it doesn't feel like well, it's... Well,
0: he, he did hit the post there at the end. He did yeah. hit the post
2: there at the end, and then Matan, Matan had again. the miss, which actually I do want to talk about because I've seen some... Please do. Yeah. Um, Matan misses. Scuccio hits the post. The rebound comes to Matan. He just misses it wide. And he got subbed off right after that. And Wilfried very intentionally gave him a big hug on the sideline and was, like, talking him up and, like, was very clearly... Giving him encouragement in this moment. And I've seen some people be like, does Wilfried know how to coach soccer? Like, why is he supporting this kid in this moment where he just missed what could have been the game winning goal? That's his style. That was a very intentional moment from Wilfried to say, I know you've, you know what you just did, but like, we're going to support you and not, like, if he just walks off that field and doesn't look at him, doesn't acknowledge him, all that does is put Matan back in the place that he was with Caleb Porter, where he had no confidence in himself.
1: Well, we've seen coaches that would have blamed him post game. Yeah, for, for missing the net in this town, we sure have. We least one.
0: We would have said, "Well, you it wasn't, it you it
1: wasn't my system; it. it was the player that screwed up." So yeah. this is good. I mean, what do you do? Like, yeah. It's game three. What, what do you do? You go all uh, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark on him and, and melt his face or rip his heart out.
2: No, yeah, not yeah, yet. no. You're at this at this point. You're glad he's there to right, make, to yeah. take that shot, right? right yeah. He's in the right place. He'll probably never miss it again. I mean, right. that's just radic, But like, yeah, yeah. he it's, knows he knows exactly what he did. He knows that that needs to go in. Getting on him in that moment doesn't yeah, do anything. Yeah, let's so. not
1: make him out none of mo- We're playing mo- the long game with him. Good, yeah. sh- good shot, son. Keep shooting. Yeah, yeah. So, um, next next item. Um, there was news on the U.S. soccer front. Um, the report, uh, the investigation. Uh, done by a an Atlanta law firm uh, at the behest of U.S. soccer uh, to look into uh, the Reina-slash-Burr-Halter situation, um, was released on Monday. Um, I think with, without, if, if you want to go into all the detail, um, I have a column, and, and that still doesn't go into all the detail. I did read the 40-page report, uh, top to bottom, uh, actually 36 pages of copy, but, uh, three of table of contents and one, one cover. Um, and, and it, it is fascinating. Just look at the <laughs> footnotes. There's even stuff in the footnotes. Yeah. You go like, whoa. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, anyway, I think, uh, one way you might encapsulate, uh, the findings, uh, uh is to say that, uh, uh, Greg Burhalter was, uh, completely exonerated yeah. and the, Ranas were exposed as um, some of the worst Soccer kind of magic. helicopter pairs yeah. that, that you can have that um, I've been in contact with Burr halter regularly talked to him yesterday as a matter of fact he's not ready to go on the record uh, I did say to him but but, Greg you you talked to the Telegraph <laughs> two days ago uh, or he, yes yesterday um, but he's he's uh he doesn't want to say anything right now um, I think I think he's relieved uh, but you know, when you look at all of this, who, who gained from it? You know, it's really nobody did. Um, certainly not the Federation, which which doesn't look good. Uh, certainly Greg's career has been impacted uh, negatively. Uh, and uh, certainly the Reigners uh, look a lot worse than they yeah. did uh, in November coming out of the World Cup. Um, you know, Christian Pulisic. Bailey, you saw it this morning. um, Sat down for an interview with somebody. Yeah,
2: ESPN, Uh, maybe I think it's kind of been unclear.
1: And and uh, well, that's because you you tripped over it on a tweet, correct? Yeah,
2: it was like ESPN first tweeted just like a quote from the interview, and then this like segment of a sit down in some apartment or hotel room or something. You know, it's very nicely lit. He's sitting on some sort of couch in a collared shirt, talking to someone. He's
1: got a strong striker beard game, Kyle. Oh, I like it. He's really
2: he's got the beard going for sure right now.
1: And, and what did he say, Billy?
2: He said it was childish. Yeah. He said he used the word childish twice in this minute and a half clip that's been circulating. And he's never really shied away from sharing his opinion on things. But it was notable to me how vehemently he said it, especially when he got into when he he didn't explicitly defend Greg Berhalter and say he wants him back as the coach. But he said, you know, he doesn't think the Federation's in a place where they need to tear things down. Right. He wants like he believes in the core of this team and feels like Greg Berhalter was hard done by in the way that this all went down.
1: Which, what what context did he use the word childish, child, childish two times?
2: Let me pull up Easy the exact quote so I don't take him out of context. Um, he said, everything that happened with Greg, first of all, has been handled in an extremely childish manner. I think it's childish. It's youth soccer, people complaining about playing time. So
1: I think it's fairly clear what he was talking fairly, about. Cl- yeah. fairly
2: clear that he's criticizing. I think both the Reina parents Danielle and Claudio yeah. and I think there's also a hint to which he's talking about geo in that and hinting at the bad attitude that Gio displayed yep. that started this whole situation of him not playing it, long it enough He is
0: 20 though so I mean it No is, and I don't think is, anybody
2: thinks <sighs> that Gio Reyna deserves to like be cast away from the national team but I think as no. Christian Pulisic as a leader in the team I think there's an element of that quote that is also sending a message to Gio Reina that yeah. he needs to shape up
1: Um You know, one thing that caught my eye as well in the aftermath of of the investigative report was uh, the statement from Claudio Reyna uh, via an agent, um, which it's I don't even. I mean, please go find it. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. it Part of it made me cringe. Um, If you've read it, you probably know what part. But... uh, That aside, um, there's nothing in it that sounded like they
0: were going to let this go at any time soon. No. Uh, I mean, didn't the report say that the two wives talked, like, every single day for 25 years and then all of a sudden stopped talking, like, at the game? It was after the Wales game. Yeah. Yeah. Like... They got on
1: a different bus. It's yeah. all in the, it's all in the report.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the Ranas and the Burholters were assigned to take the same bus to the stadium. And then Danielle refused to get back on that same bus afterwards.
1: There, there's so much in this. Like the column I wrote, I go like, Oh, geez. I got to explain all this. Oh, I have one paragraph left to make, you know, render some opinion on it. Um, and, and that was a truncated version of events. I, I would encourage everyone to, to read the report. The USA, uh, soccer federation released it to yeah. their credit. Um, uh, sunlight is the best disinfectant, and uh, time, and 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 time too. Uh, there's, I mean, I mean, Geo is going to be a part of one of the things U.S. Soccer said, and I imagine they had to say it for legal reasons, is that uh, burhalter is eligible yep. to coach them or anyone else. There's nothing in, in the findings of the report that would preclude him from from um, from from taking the U.S. Right. job again or another. His contract was up at the end of the year, and I. I think one of the obvious things is there's no way he comes back. And um, one is because you have to move on from this. Of, in, in, in that right. case, he's been totally wronged in all this. Um, I think that's fair to say. And, and and the other thing is they're in the process. Ernie Stewart left the sporting director and, and the GM, Brian McBride, left the organization. So they're in the process of hiring a, a new sporting director. They're slow walking that process. They're, we should – we should found a headhunting firm, huh? Yeah,
2: yeah, we should. Because, like, well, the one they I mean, have like, is clearly not doing a lot. Because they've yeah. contacted like a bunch of different people <laughs> and they keep turning it down.
1: Oh, the fees are like yeah. unbelievable. You can just collect fees, and and it's really not that hard. Yeah, I mean, collect
2: fees, to interview people who don't actually want the job. As it turns out, that's what a, keeps happening. I got a
1: brother who's a cop. He can do the background checks. I mean, this isn't <laughs> this isn't that difficult. Um, but th- that process is being slow walked and the bottom line on that is that whoever the new sporting director is, he or she is going to hire the next coach. So um, I-, I don't imagine that. Uh, I-, I think that that really uh, almost incestuous um, uh, U.S. soccer has been insular for a long time with the same people uh, uh, almost rotating chairs and jobs over there. Um, and I think that's I think they're gonna move on from that finally, you know. And it's uh, that report is the yes. case in point. You know, i I I'll just among the many sure. interesting twists and turns in that thing is you get to a point where they're talking about when Claudio Reyna interviewed for the uh for the for the sporting director job before they hired Stewart. And interviewing him was Jay Burhalter, who's Greg Berhalter's brother, who was at US Soccer at the time, and uh someone else, I forget who and and so Claudio was asked in the process of interviewing, well, who would you hire as a coach? And he said, Greg Burhalter. So, okay, here in this room saying so yeah, <laughs> in the interview, you have two guys yeah. that knew what happened yeah. in nineteen ninety-two and didn't think it was an yeah. issue then. Um, and and uh and they're talking about the guy in question uh in the middle of the incident. It's it's um it's just uh it, Telenova, it's a Telenova. And let's move on to just preview the next game for for your Columbus crew, Bailey Johnson.
2: The Columbus crew will head to Red Bull Arena in Harrison, New Jersey, lovely Harrison, New Jersey, Saturday night to play.
1: That's a cool building.
2: As it says, the New York Red Bulls. Um, Interesting to me in that when we talked to Wilfred Nancy yesterday, he's super excited to play Red Bulls. He really likes to play against them. And I just think that's fascinating because I don't think there are a lot of people out there who like uh, that. No. Systems. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think it's a, I think his schools match wits here um, in terms of systems, Kyle. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what else to
2: say. Yeah. No. I mean, it is, the, the, yeah. the Red Bull way tests yeah. everything that Wilfried wants from his team. They press like crazy. They run and run and run and run and run. He And I think that's exactly the same number of runs that he used yesterday while talking about it. And he wants his teams to be intense. You have to be intense to play Red Bulls. He wants them to be patient and composed with the ball. You have to do that against them because if you let them speed you up the way that they want to, right. they're just going to feast. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. an interesting test.
1: Should we use uh, an article when describing the Red Bulls?
2: I say the Red Bulls.
1: You just said Red Bulls. Without Did I say Red Bulls? You yeah. went all Jacob there. Yeah. I normally
2: I normally say the Red Bulls or New York Red Bulls, no article. Okay. Well, that <laughs> should think. be a good game. I don't really know how.
1: Now, one of the facets of that game is it's 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 the last game before an international window opens, Bailey, uh, on Monday. It is. It runs for a week from the 20th to the 28th. And the crew, as well as their opponent after the Red Bulls, uh, they'll play oh, March no. 25th against Atlanta, Atlanta here, so there'll probably be six inches of rain. Um, <laughs> but that game um, will be impacted greatly by this this uh international call by the international call-ups for both teams.
2: Yeah. Atlanta, the Atlanta game will be at this moment. It's one, two, three, it's eight players total, three from the crew, five from Atlanta who have been called up. There are still a couple of countries that haven't put out their rosters yet. So that could change a little bit. Um So it does make things interesting for this Saturday. I don't think, I think the crew will run out their normal lineup. Yeah. That's,
1: that was my next yeah. question. What do you do this yeah. Saturday? I, I mean, do you run your guys into the ground that are going to leave? Um, Get the most out of them while you can, because you're not going to have them back. Do you? Do you begin to mix in uh, uh, some of your depth? Uh, I, I
2: think they might just to, accust- to uh, yeah. acclimate
1: everyone no, for, for so. the next week's game. Um,
2: it's a good thought. Certainly, I think Aleya Room will play 90 minutes. I don't have any thought about that. Um, the bigger questions are Milos Jagenek and Lucas El Rayon. But the problem is they're at positions that they don't have a lot of other options right. at. So. And on the one hand, I see an argument, like you said, to work in the guys who will take those spots next week or you know, the 25th because they're going to have to play then. So might as well get them a few minutes now. I think there's a chance, you know, they substitute a little earlier. Maybe Lucas comes off at 75 if they're winning and that type of thing. But in general, I would expect them to play it pretty much like normal. It is tough, particularly with it being Red Bull and that being such a physically intense game. It makes it a little bit more of an interesting calculus. But it, like, they wouldn't play, Milos doesn't play till the 24th. Yeah, who's, Lucas who's
1: flying played. out where? For, yeah, for so,
2: so Milos is heading to Australia, Aloy is heading not to Curacao, but to play to, with Curacao, I don't know. Argentina, either. I think. They definitely, I think they have a Nations League game and Argentina. Um, and then Lucas is going overseas to play its Europa League qualifiers for Armenia, and again, I'm not sure where those are. But so Milos' first game is the 24th, Lucas is on the 25th. Um, I would say my the where I really think they'll make changes, I think this week they'll play like normal because they'll have almost a week after. I would say the bigger question is what they do April 1st against RSL and if they integrate those guys right back in or if they give them a week off. That's probably where right. things will I would expect them to make more changes to give them more time on the back end than the front end.
1: That's Kyle's favorite name in Major League Soccer is Real Salt Lake. There's a
2: reason I didn't say the full name because I think it's really dumb.
1: It's Kyle's favorite. Don't get the Kyle came in today with a a new trivia question. We'll we'll wrap the show on on this. And that trivia question is, what was the biggest upset (laughs) in the history of the CONCACAF Champions League tournament? It's a tough one. (laughs) It was
2: tough until Tuesday, and now I think we have a pretty clear answer.
1: It was sad to see the MLS uh, so treated by... uh, by Haiti, a Haitian team. Yeah. Violet, um,
0: hasn't played and feel, you really feel bad. Yeah. It's, it's both incredibly embarrassing for
2: Austin. And I also think in the conversation around it, we've treated it a little bit more like, Oh, it's so embarrassing for Austin. This is such a joke. It's incredible what Violet did. They haven't played in their league in over a year because of the violence in Haiti. They had to play their first leg of it on the road because of the the violence and because of the, and because of the, um, their stadium wasn't up to par This game, they have 14 players available, including some they've called up from, like, NPSL teams and guys who have never played for a single second with them.
1: And then there were guys that had visa problems. Yeah, Yeah, they they had had visa (laughs) problems,
2: so they couldn't get everybody across the border. So they had 14 total guys, and some of them were not people who had ever played on this team before.
1: It it was like watching the Soviets lose for me, you know? (laughs) It was just... uh, uh, It was an incredible upset. And what a game, too. I mean... uh, the goalie was unbelievable. Oh my god! I mean, insane. He, he was like, uh it, it was like he was like the Matrix <laughs> for and and then all of a sudden in the second half he drops one over his shoulder. He had the ball in his hands. He falls over his shoulder into the goal, and you go like, okay, oh it's three and two good. on aggregate <laughs> now. And they're like, woo, buckle up because there's a lot of game left. Then they, because because they had an hour long VAR on on when Giacchi got murdered in the box, and then they didn't give they didn't award the penalty. Um, there were ten minutes of stoppage time, and then more added because you know the the Violet guys were yeah. so so tired. They're just falling down all yeah. over the there place. There was
2: one moment right at the end of stoppage time where a Violet guy, I think he maybe blocked a shot in the box yeah. or took some contact or something. He was still down. Like forty five <laughs> seconds later, they're defending with ten men in their own half, and they still uh, Austin still did score. Oh
1: my gosh! I I'll tell you, um, I, I I have no. I, I, I'd love to see Haiti when it's you know uh, in in better times. It's a, it's a tough place to to be, especially for for travel. But Good for them, but Good for them, I would I would love to have been in uh, a bar in Haiti on that. You know what I mean? Whatever whatever the R bar is of Haitian soccer, uh, that that would have been pretty cool. You know, uh, geez, what a what a W! It
2: was really incredible. I really enjoyed watching that game.
1: And we're all smiling now, and isn't that what? Yeah, Yeah, the R-Bar
2: of Haitian soccer is an unforgettable line from this (laughs) podcast, I think.
1: Yeah, it's a hockey bar. I I guess I could have named Hendox. Is that still open? I think it closed. I don't know. Oh, man. And we will miss it if it indeed is close I don't get out much anymore but I will tomorrow <laughs> thanks for joining us for the podfather Patrick Flaherty Kyle Robertson the striker and our terrific crew beat writer Bailey Johnson Bailey don't hit your yeah. microphone with the pen anymore <laughs> uh, that's fine I'm Mike Race. thanks for joining us uh, go to dispatch.com look at all of Bailey's stuff and really go look at that US Soccer Report it is rich thanks for joining us I'm Mike Race. see ya peace out Patrick kick us out of here